so we are continuing uh, in, the, in, the, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you've been with us since the beginning of the year, we started a series called uh, Live in the Way. And we, we uh, beginning of the year, we started looking at being like Christ. Being like Christ, the focus has been Jesus Christ, and we transitioned uh, uh, to 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 become to be to learning and teaching on becoming like Christ. And currently, we are teaching on the Holy Spirit. We, it has been an intentional ten months or eight uh, sorry ten weeks or eight weeks of uh, of teaching on the Holy Spirit. And um, uh, the reason why we have been teaching on the Holy Spirit is because if you are going to become like Christ. There is no one better suited to lead in you and, and counsel in you and guide in you to become like Christ than the Holy Spirit. No individual can make you or lead you to becoming like Christ except the Holy Spirit. So uh, before I jump into the gifts of the Spirit that we are going to be looking at today, I want us to, to, to understand that the, the, a couple of things. Uh, I want us to be reminded of a couple of things and be on the same page, same platform. Uh, there is some elementary things that we need to all understand and be reminded of. The first of these is faith. Faith is important when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Faith is very important. The Holy Spirit is spirit. Is not a spirit, is spirit, and he is not flesh and blood. Therefore, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not natural gifts they are not natural talents. They are not natural abilities. They are supernatural uh, uh, giftings from the Holy Spirit. And the reason why I raise that is because if you have a natural gift, you do not have to exercise faith. It is, it is uh, not necessary for you to exercise faith when you have a natural gift. But when it is supernatural, then you have to exercise faith. What is faith? Faith is a reliance on God. It is a reliance on the Holy Spirit. It's a reliance on Jesus Christ. It is, it is a dependency, a leaning on and a trusting on what God can do. And so since the gifts of the Holy Spirit are spiritual, we are relying on the Holy Spirit to do the work that he has to do. In Galatians 3 verse 5, it says the following. It says, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works... Uh, and works miracles among you, do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith. So what it is saying there is, does the person who works the gifts of the Holy Spirit, do they do them naturally or do they do them through faith? The, 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 the currency, as we have currencies here on earth, the currency of the Holy Spirit, uh, I mean of, of, um, of nations, uh, is money. We all need money here in the nations, in the world. As we live here in the world, we all need money. And so the currency of the kingdom of God is faith. If you're going to work, if you're going to exercise, if you're going to walk in the things of the Holy Spirit, you need to be reliant on and dependent on the Holy Spirit and have a faith in the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so the, 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 the kingdom of God operates by faith. That's the way the kingdom of God operates. It operates by faith. In 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13, it says, So now faith, hope, love, abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. Which brings me to my second point. Love. 
Love is essential. Love is the motivator. In the kingdom of God, faith, the, the, the kingdom of God operates by faith, but is motivated by love. So the gifts of the Spirit are motivated by love. That is the way they function. They are not, they are not uh, motivated by any exterior um, thing that you would think. Uh, it's not motivated by a claim or an accolade that you would want as an individual. It is not motivated by you become, wanting to become the man or the woman of the hour with the power. Amen. So it is not motivated by that. What do I mean when I say love is the motivator in the kingdom of God? John 3, verse 16, a very popular scripture. It won't come up. I, I assume that you know it. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The reason why God gave is not because it was popular to give. It was not the thing that was trending on Twitter on that day. Then, and, he was, and he said, hey, today uh, what's trending on Twitter is to give son, so I'll give my son. It was not the, 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 the cool thing or the, the hip thing to give. He gave because he loved. He gave because he was motivated to give his son so that he would die for your sins and my sins. That is the reason why he was given. Are we together? He was given because he was motivated by love. The Bible puts it this way. It says, in this is love. Not that we loved him but that he loved us. And he sent and gave us his son as a propitiation for our sin. That word seems big, but it simply means he gave his son as a, not a covering, but a taking away of all our sins. God, Jesus Christ did not cover your sins, ladies and gentlemen. He took your sins away. As far as the east is from the west, so are your sins. So he took them away. They are not covered to be un, 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 unraveled again, but they are taken away. So he to gave his son so that his son would be sin and you would be the righteousness of God. There was a divine exchange that occurred on the cross. Paul puts it so beautifully. He says in 2 Corinthians uh, 14 verse 15, he says the following. For the love of Christ controls us. I, you know, I love this scripture. I really um, say it, it controls. It means to constrain. It means to motivate and stir us, stir us up. It says, because we have concluded this. Today, I know we all came here uh, individually, but, and we all came because of all different sorts of reasons to worship God and every, I, I, I could mention so many reasons and I hope the ultimate one is to worship God. But there is a conclusion that I hope today that all of us are going to make. There are so many conclusions that we make in the, in the kingdom of God. But I think one of these conclusions that we have to make and no one else can help us make this conclusion is the following. That one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That's the conclusion that I want us to all make. You make it individually. That's the conclusion that I've made in my life. That there is an individual who died for me. 
And therefore, since I see the motive of why he went to the cross, I am also motivated to do likewise because it took the whole of heaven to come down in the form of Jesus Christ and die for me. Therefore, I will give my whole life for this individual and for this kingdom because he died for me. I am motivated to love because of this one individual. Love is a motivator. If you removed love and diminish the effect of love, faith would cease to be what it's supposed to be. Love is the force that drives faith. Galatians 5 verse 6 says the following, Faith worketh by love. Faith works by love. Uh, Love is the mechanism that makes uh, faith work. It is the engine behind, under the hood that makes the, your love, that makes faith work. Amen. It is the, the gears, it is the, 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 the springs, it's everything that, that makes love, uh, mean faith work. That's what love is. It is the very thing that makes faith work. I've seen so many people when it comes to the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they try so many, they try so many things. They believe so hard. They, they, they try to, to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They believe, have faith so much in, so, in, in that God will allow them to work in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Whereas in, they should just have a change of a mindset. A simple mindset that says this. It says, I will reach for the deeper revelation of the love of God. Rather than faith to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if we changed our mindset from the gifts of the Holy Spirit just being a function of the Holy Spirit and but being a revelation of the love of God, then we will see people flow more in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and it will be seamless, easy, and there will not be any striving. There will not be any trying to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What I'm simply saying is, if you sort out and you reached out and stretched out to know the love of God. What is the love of God? To know Jesus Christ because the embodiment of the love of God is all found in Jesus Christ. If you sought out to know the love of God, then we would notice more people operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So today we're going to be covering the utterance gifts. Three weeks ago, Vesey Began them, didn't finish them. Typical Vesey. Um, Kilton did the power gifts. Uh, the power gifts, if you recall, are the gifts of healing, the gift of faith, working of miracles. I did the revelation gifts, which are the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and discernment of spirits. Today, as I said, we are going to be covering the utterance gifts, which are speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, uh, prophecy. Then I will, these are found in 1 Corinthians 12, but I will cover another two, which are found in Romans 12, which are teaching and encouragement, which makes up the motivational gifts. These are the motivational gifts. In the utterance gifts, what are the utterance gifts? The utterance gifts 
is when an individual is inspired to speak, divinely inspired to speak. Divinely inspired to speak, it's a vocal gift. For example, speaking in tongues is when an individual is inspired to speak in, a known in an unknown language or a known language which is not known by the speaker. I'll repeat that. Speaking in tongues is when an individual is inspired to speak in an unknown language or a known language which is not known by the speaker. Interpretation of tongues is when an individual interprets what has been spoken in an unknown language or a known language which the speaker, whether it was him or another person, spoke, did not know. Are we together? That is an interpretation of tongues. Interpretation of tongues is not a translation of tongues. There is a difference between interpretation and translation. Interpretation is an explanation. Translation is word-for-word word. translation. In interpretation is explanation. Translation is word-for-word word. translation. Therefore, somebody speaking in tongues can seem to go for five minutes speaking in an unknown tongue. Then somebody else comes up and interprets that tongue and gives you three words. They have just explained it. In Acts, the Bible says they spoke in an unknown tongue. And then they said, we, oh, we hear them glorifying God. That's all they were saying. That's what they were doing. So it was explained to us what was happening. They were glorifying God. Or they can come here and speak just two words and the explanation is five minutes. Either or. That is an interpretation of tongues. Prophecy. Prophecy is when somebody is divinely inspired to speak. The Hebrew word for prophecy is this. It is a springing forth or a flowing forth. The Greek word prophetia, is, it means, it means to, to be sent out or to speak on behalf of another person. So it carries this idea that there is a bubbling forth from a fountain or a tumbling forth. Something just springs up from within you and you just need to say it. Amen. That is what um, prophecy is. It is a conversation or a discourse that emanates from a divine inspiration where one declares the purposes of God. Whether to reprove, admonish the wicked, comfort the afflicted, or reveal things that are hidden. Prophecy is speaking the thoughts, the intent, and the heart of God. That is what prophecy is. Prophecy is the why. Whereas a word of knowledge, word of wisdom is the what. I'll explain that. Most people confuse prophecy and the word of wisdom together. They think it's the same thing. They think the word of wisdom is actually prophecy, which is not what it is. Word of wisdom is the what God is going to do. That is what a word of wisdom. It is foretelling word of wisdom. Whereas prophecy is the why God is going to do it, which is foretelling 
Are we together? That is what prophecy is. So a quick example is I could come with a word of wisdom to an individual and say to that individual, listen, by this time next week, you will get a phone call from somebody that you have never seen in your life and they never heard of in your life, and they will offer you a job. They will offer you a good salary. They will offer you good perks. They will offer you a car, and they will pay you in U.S. dollars. I can be that to the point, just that to the point. That is a word of wisdom. Whereas somebody else comes and tells, speaks to that same individual and says, I see God opening doors for you. You shall enter into places where you shall be the, the salt and the light in those places. You shall be an ambassador to, to declare the works of God in that place. Guess what? The one who came and spoke that word has given him the why. I have just given him the what. That is prophecy. So prophecy in 1, uh, in 1 Corinthians 14 verse uh, 3 is, is for edification, is for exhortation, and is for comfort. It is to build the church up, and that it, is, it is to be desired for that reason. That's the reason why we should desire prophecy. You know, the, 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 the unique thing about prophecy, unlike the word of wisdom, is that prophecy can carry you through your life. The word of wisdom can carry you to the point that thing is fulfilled. But prophecy can carry you throughout your life. That's why the Bible says, with the prophecies that you have received, fight the good fight of faith. It can take you throughout your life. Just that single word can take you throughout your life. And therefore, we should not despise, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 20 says, do not despise prophecies. Do not despise them. Test them, but do not despise them. Never despise prophecies. A prophecy should align itself with the word of God. It should align itself with the word of God. And it should be a testimony of Jesus Christ. What is the testimony of Jesus Christ? It is praise to Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ has done for you and I. It is Jesus Christ being praised as Lord and Savior over your life. In Revelation 19 verse 10, it says the following. It says, then I fell. The I there is John the Revelator. I fell down at his feet. The, his feet is an angel to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. What is the testimony of Jesus? Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Therefore, prophecy should lead people and point people to the worship of God and to the worship of Jesus Christ. The heart behind, the, 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 the spirit behind prophecy is that people should be led to worship God. The next one is teaching. I invite you to turn to Romans 12 verse 6 to 8. Romans 12, verse 6 to 8. It says the following. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, 
if service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. The Greek word for teaching is a word called didasko, where we get, uh, where from the, that very root of the root word, we get the English word, which I have never used and I found out for the first time and I don't think I'll ever use and I'll probably forget. It's called didactic. Where we get, which means, it, it means to teach, it means to instruct, it means to instill doctrine, it means to explain and expound on. Therefore, when the gifts of, the, of teaching come upon an individual, the individual will teach. But the, there, is some, there are some fundamental things uh, that we need to know about the gifts of teaching. The gift of teaching does not come to any individual who does not like the word of God and does not feed on the word of God. The Holy Spirit will not come upon you so that you can teach what E equals MC squared is. He will come and teach you about the kingdom of God. And therefore, when he comes upon you, you, are, you ought to be a student of the word. You ought to be one person who loves the word of God and be passionate about the word of God. But just because you love the word of God does not make you a teacher. A teacher cannot teach. He cannot teach what he does not, what he is not. He cannot teach if he is not a student. You cannot teach what you are not. Selah. That is a Hebrew word that means pause and think about it. You cannot teach what you are not. And therefore, a teacher is a student, first and foremost. A student of the word of God. He loves or she loves the word of God. But as I've said, just because you are a lover or a student of the word of God does not make you a teacher. In James 3 verse 1, it says the following. It says, so not many of you should want to become teachers. Because you will undergo a stricter judgment. And this judgment is not only from God, ladies and gentlemen. This judgment is from people. Because people will scrutinize what you are saying. Just like what you are doing right now as I am speaking. You are scrutinizing every word I am saying. And you are judging me. And that word judge in the Bible is not to condemn it is just to put, say, yes, no, check, yes, cross. That's all it is. So you are making a decision over what I am teaching and saying, yes, he's correct there. No, he's wrong there. Amen. So you, I am, I go, and we go under stricter judgment as we teach. Amen. So not many people should want to be teachers. You should first and foremost be a student of the word of God. But secondly, you should be an effective communicator. It does not mean that you should have, you should, you should all use words like didactic to, to impress people or Hebrew words or Greek words. It, it's, it's not about that. It's just an effective way of communication that applies to the context and the culture that you can't currently live in. You may be a person who will stammer as you speak, but people are getting what you're saying. That is effective communication. So a teacher will take the deep things of God, dissect them, and make them understandable for 
the least simple of us, so that even a child can understand what you are saying. They are good at that. Jesus was very good at that. He would take a parable. He would take a seed, a mustard seed, and apply the kingdom of God all through a mustard seed so that the culture of that day could understand the kingdom of God through a seed. That was teaching. And so teaching is not learned. It's not acquired like a degree. You may have a PhD and not have the gift of teaching, and yet you will struggle to explain the kingdom principles. You may have the gift of teaching and not have a PhD, and yet you will be able to explain what the kingdom of God is all about. Teaching is not about, as I've already said, it's not about you being able to use big words or small words. It's just a matter of how do you explain and how do people understand the simple thing. There's a grace upon you to teach. In, um, in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 26 says the following. Is what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, or a doctrine, or a teaching. So when we come together, there is a teaching that, that uh, is inspired, a teaching that is communicated, a doctrine that is in, instilled or communicated to one, each one of us as we teach through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The last one I'll go into is exhortation. Exhortation is enc or encouragement or exhortation comes from the, word, the Greek word para, pa paraklesis, which is related to a word called paraklete. And this word paraklete is used in John 14 and John 15 in explaining the, the, the person of the Holy Spirit. For the Bible says, I will not leave you orphans or I will not leave you all alone, but I will send another paraclete. I will send a counselor, a helper, an advocate. I will send somebody who will come and stand alongside you or inside you. I will come and bring somebody. I will send somebody who will do that. And so the word paraclete means that someone who comes and stands alongside you. That's what it means. It carries this idea of an individual coming alongside who will urge you on, who will cheer you on, who will steer you, who will motivate you, who will encourage you, who will strengthen you. That's what encouragement is. So the, all these actions that I've just mentioned, they, they, are, they, 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 are in, they make up the gift of encouragement. The gift of encouragement is different from the gift of teaching. The gift of encouragement is, uh, is a focus on practical application of the Bible, whereas the gift of teaching is a, is a focus on the meaning and the content of the Word. Just like what I've been doing, I've been giving you the meaning and the content of the Word. I've not yet given, I've not given you the application of what to do, how to do it. So that's what the gift of teaching is. Teaching says, go that way. Whereas encouragement says, I will help you go that way. That is what encouragement does. 
teaching is an impartation of knowledge or information, whereas encouragement is stimulating people so that they become the best they can be. The best example of somebody who walked in this exhortation and encouragement was a man called Barnabas, which is found in Acts. Barnabas was, nay, was called, his actual name was Joseph. The Bible says the following of, uh, of uh, Barnabas. He, wa- he, he was the first person to, to sell his land uh, to, to, to finance the, the kingdom uh, of God at that moment. He brought encouragement through finances because he was really a wealthy man from And so the Bible says uh, the apostles called him Barnabas because, which means the son of encouragement. That is what Barnabas is, the son of encouragement. And Barnabas, we see this gift operating in his life when he went in Acts 9 verse 27. He went and sought out a man called Saul who had just been born again. This man was the guy who persecuted the church before the Damascus um, uh, encounter that he had. And he persecuted the church and he went against the church. And the church did not believe this guy was truly born again. But Barnabas, of his own accord, got to to Saul and sought out Saul and brought him to the apostles. The Bible says brought him to the apostles so that uh, he could um, introduce Barnabas. Paul or Saul at that time to the apostles as one of the, of the Christians. We also see here Barnabas going later on and looking for Saul at Tarsus and taking Saul and taking him to, to Antioch so that they could be part of the church in Antioch. We see this ministry of Barnabas coming along people when he, when he took John Mark, when there was a great dispute between Paul and Barnabas over an individual called John Mark. John Mark was, was, um, was a, a young adult at that time. And he, he decided, because of all the dangers of, uh, of the missionary journey, he decided to go back home. And Paul did not like that. And so Barnabas brought back John Mark. When John Mark said, I want to be part of the missionary journey, he brought him back and said, you will be, still be our partner. But Paul said, No, I won't have this guy. But Barnabas went his way with John Mark and Paul went his way. And went uh, his way with Silas and later on picked up Timothy. But we see later on Paul embracing John Mark in the letter to Timothy. So throughout the life of Barnabas, we see an individual that called people to his side, encouraged people, strengthened people. Uh, exhorted people. That was his lifestyle so that people could be effective in Christ. And we, all, we are all called to do that. We don't need that gift per se, but there are some people who it's, it is so evident when, that they are walking in that gift. And so that comes to the conclusion of <laughs> what I needed to teach today. So we, 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 we learned today that there, are, there is, in the utterance gifts, there is the, the, the um, speaking in tongues, there is the interpretation of tongues, there is prophecy, and what then what makes the motivational gifts is teaching and exhortation. 
Mr. Moyo. Brother KK, I'm done. Amen.